Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Mark, and we're in chapter 6. It begins with the discussion of a prophet without honor, and that can also be found in the Gospel of Matthew. It says Jesus left there and went to his hometown, of course referring to Nazareth. He was accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with him? And they took offense at him. So they're basically saying, well, we've known him his whole life. This is just Mary's son. This is just the carpenter's son. We know his whole family. How can he be someone who we're supposed to receive as one who was sent? But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So a prophet is not received in his hometown because people already think that they know who he is. He wasn't even able to do many miracles there. And now the next section is Jesus sends out the twelve can also be found in Matthew and Luke. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two, and he gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that the people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now the next section is entitled John the Baptist Beheaded. can also be found in Matthew and Luke. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why the miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So like we talked about in Matthew, here Herod is puzzled by what John's saying, but he's interested in what he's saying. But his wife doesn't like him because, of course, 
he is telling them what they did was wrong because Herod married his own brother's wife. And she, of course, feels condemned by him. So finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. Like we discussed in Matthew, her name was Salome, and she was doing the kind of dance that we would consider inappropriate. So the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. So simply because this girl is doing an inappropriate type of dance and because she's beautiful, he's willing to give her up to half of his kingdom. So she goes out and says to her mom, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once, the girl hurried into the king with a request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came, took his body, and laid it in a tomb. Now the next portion of this chapter is entitled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. As you remember, we discussed this in Matthew, and it can also be found in Luke and in John. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So Jesus asks them, how many loaves do we have? Go and see. When they went out, they said, five and also two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish 
the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So a couple things happened here. Obviously, first of all, there were at least 5,000 people because there were 5,000 men, probably not counting women and children. And the disciples looked around and said, even to give these people bread, bread alone would cost us eight months' wages to feed that many people. So Jesus takes what they had, the five loaves and the two fish, and he breaks that bread, just like his body was broken for us, for the multitudes. And he fed the multitudes with those five loaves that were broken for the people, just like he was broken for us, and just like he is enough for us. The bread was enough for the people. And just like he gives us an abundance, like the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over, there were broken pieces left over at that time. So one thing to point out is that Jews obviously considered bread as a gift from God going back to the time that the manna fell from the sky. The bread was the gift that sustained them. And so it was required that the scraps of bread that fell on the ground during a meal would be picked up. So in this case, every disciple, all 12 of them, were able to come back with a full basket of bread. Each one of them had a full basket. It also says that all the people ate and were satisfied. It's not like everyone just had a piece of bread. It said that they ate and they were satisfied, meaning they got their fill. Now, the last portion of this chapter is entitled Jesus Walks on Water. It can be found in Matthew and John as well. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. So literally walking on the water out to them at the fourth watch. This is sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. It said he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were still hardened. So in John, it says that not only were they amazed and not only did the wind die down, but immediately when he got into the boat, they were at the other shore. They got where they were going. So they had been fighting this wind all night and rowing against it, a struggle, something that was impossible to overcome. And the moment that he got into the boat, they were immediately where they were going. They were already at the other shore. Now their hearts are hardened. What does that mean? It's because they don't understand. 
They don't understand how he fed the 5,000, and they don't understand how he can walk on water. They certainly don't understand how they were immediately at the other shore. It says when they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Now remember we just read about the woman in the crowd who went up and thought, if I could only touch the edge of his garment, I would be healed. And she was. And in the same way, these people's faith, they thought even the very edge of his cloak, we would be able to be healed. And it says all who touched him were healed. Later, the book of Acts talks about this same thing happening with Peter. In Acts 5.15, it says, As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And his shadow was actually able to heal those people. Another thing this brings to mind was Elisha when he was buried in his tomb already. This is from the book of 2 Kings in 13.21. It says, Once, as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a raiding party. So they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. When he touched Elisha's bones, the man was revived and stood up. Now back in chapter 6. Again, it was these people's faith that made them well. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. And that ends chapter 6, and we will pick up next time in Mark chapter 7.